Hey everybody, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you are listening to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. And if you want to get your money's worth, you need to stay right here. Everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> I took massive action to rebuild my temple, to honor God with my body, to stop doing the things that were promoting disease. Thank you, Million Dollar Man, for the introduction. I don't know if there's a connection between today's guest and uh, the Million Dollar Man. Maybe maybe he was a wrestling fan, but man, I just loved professional wrestling when I was a kid. Thank you, Ted DiBiase, for the introduction. You can hear my conversation with Ted in a very important interview where he talked about wrestling. He talked about the price of fame and the wear and tear it had on his family and his personal life and uh, his faith, quite frankly. You can hear our conversation at onfaithsedge.com slash 106. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 106. Well, welcome to the 125th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Today's guest is Chris Wark. Chris is an author, speaker, and health coach. Chris was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2003 at age 26. And instead of chemotherapy, he used nutrition and natural therapies outlined in the Bible to heal. His book, Chris Beat Cancer, is is an Amazon bestseller. He's made numerous TV and radio appearances and was featured in the award-winning documentary, The C Word. I tell you what, this conversation really caused me to take pause and think about the junk that I allow in my body, especially when I compare that to the way God intends us for us to treat this temple he gave us. Quite frankly, I don't think many of us do do a very good job, and I may be among the worst. Today, Chris and I talk about why he chose a non-traditional path for his cancer treatment, how important his faith was in beating this disease, and the connection between the Garden of Eden and his healing. Atop the Amazon charts, Chris beat cancer has been very well received, Chris. Did you really beat cancer in the in the truest sense? <laughs> well, Considering the fact that I'm alive and cancer-free, yes, I can say I did. You're, so you're, you are right now completely cancer-free. The diagnosis is genuinely no cancer. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And it's been 15 years uh, this December. So, you know, a couple months from now will be my 15-year cancerversary. Wow. Wow. So what kind, of, what kind of cancer did you have? I was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer when I was 26. So, spoiler, I didn't die. I'm 41 now. And, uh, you know, it's a total shock, of course. I mean, no, no one expects cancer, especially not somebody in their 20s. I, one of the first verses that came to me, since this is a faith-based show, I I'm, you know, definitely want to talk about my faith journey and the process. But one of the first, first verses that I thought of was Romans 8.28, which says, God works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so even though I was totally shocked and devastated by this diagnosis, you know, I found great comfort in that verse, you know, because I chose to believe that God was going to work it for my good. I mean, I can't tell you how much that verse has helped me throughout my life. And in almost every situation, anytime there's bad news, right, or what appears to be bad news, trouble in life, obstacles, calamity, catastrophe, right? Tragedy. Uh, It it gives me great comfort to know that God is going to work these bad things that, 
you know, come that we come across, stumble across in life for our good. Most people who are Christians or who have a faith foundation will say, okay, well, I'm going to put this in your hands, God. But they also pursue a more traditional path to treating, to treating their cancer. You didn't do that. In the beginning, I was told, uh, we've got to get you into surgery right away and get this thing out of you before it spreads and kills you. So there's a lot of fear and urgency surrounding a cancer diagnosis. And this is the first problem. The first problem is the patients are rushed into treatments. They don't understand. They don't know the risks, the side effects. A lot of these treatments can be life-threatening. People have died in surgery, right? People have died as a result of chemotherapy treatments uh, and, and, and other non-chemotherapy drug treatments. So there's risks that people don't know what they're getting into when they say yes. And they always, almost always say yes just out of fear. And one of the first things I learned right away was that fear-based decisions are almost always the wrong decision. We need to make decisions based on facts and faith, not based on fear. This applies to all areas of life. And so uh, I was told, yeah, we got to get you into surgery. And so like I was a very typical cancer patient at that time. And I was just like, okay, whatever you say, doc. And this was a couple days before Christmas. I was able to postpone it till after Christmas because it was so depressing to be in the hospital on Christmas Day, right? Mm. And so they actually had the surgery on December 30th, 2003. And they took out a third of my large intestine. They took out the tumor and they saw during surgery that it had spread to my lymph nodes. So they took out a bunch of lymph nodes. And when I woke up, they said, hey, you know, we got some bad news. You're worse than we thought. You're stage 3C. Stage four means it's in two organs. So the cancer was spreading. It was on its way to my liver. And they basically said, look, because the cancer was not contained in the tumor, because it was spreading, you're going to need nine to 12 months of chemotherapy because you've got cancer cells, you know, uh, in your body, you know, that we, we couldn't get it all. We could get everything. We got everything we could see. But, you know, cancer cells are microscopic. What's kind of crazy, most people don't know, is that a one centimeter tumor one centimeter, that's really small, has a billion cancer cells in it. Wow. And that one centimeter tumor is throwing off a million cancer cells every day into the body. So a million cancer cells are escaping that tumor every day. And that's, that's before it's even, it even spreads. Cancer cells actually leave the primary tumor site before it's even big enough to detect on a scan. So this whole idea that like, oh, well, if we cut out the tumor, you'll be fine is, is really false because you already have cancer cells in other parts of the body. And that's often why right. cancer comes back after surgery is because, yeah, surgery took out a lot of it, but it didn't get the rest. If your body is a place where cancer can thrive, then new tumors will form. The body creates cancer. And I believe and I've seen a lot of evidence of this that the body can heal, right? The body created it, the body can heal it if given the proper nutrients and care. And that's what's missing from medical treatment is nutrition, <laughs> diet and lifestyle medicine, and uh, a holistic view of health and healing, which is changing the internal environment in the, uh, of the body and making it a place where cancer can't thrive. One of the most important ways you do this is through detoxification and improving your immune function 
And nutrition is the foundation of both of those things. How did you change your nutrition? How did you change your lifestyle? I'll get to that in a second because I got a funny, funny story to tell here. When I was in the hospital, the first meal, just to give you an indication of how clueless the medical industry is, the first meal they gave me after cutting out a third of my large intestine was a sloppy joe. (laughs) Right? I mean, you're laughing because you're uh, thinking a sloppy joe sounds horrible at any time. Yeah, a greasy ground up chunk of meat. Nasty, right, ground beef in some tomato sauce or whatever they stew it in, slopped on a burger bun. And, you know, you can't even get a Sloppy Joe in a restaurant. Nobody likes them. The only place you can get Sloppy Joes are at summer camp, the military, and prison. And now a hospital <laughs> as far, bed. As far as I knew. And then, oh, surprise, they serve these to sick people. They serve these to cancer patients. And the, the just unbelievable irony of, of that is that uh, red meat is a group two carcinogen, according to the World Health Organization. Mm. So it's a probable cause of cancer and colon cancer specifically. So they're like, hey, let's give you some food that is you know, strongly linked to causing colon cancer after your colon cancer surgery. After they served me the sloppy joe, which I did eat because I was so hungry. But I, but I was just thinking like, this is terrible. Like why are they serving this horrible food to sick people? And then the day I was leaving uh, the hospital, my surgeon came by to check on me and I asked him, Are, is there any food I need to avoid? And he said, no, nah, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Okay. You know, I thought maybe he would have some advice. Like this guy's a digestive surgeon. Maybe he would have some advice on the best foods for digestive health and healing. Right. And no, no advice whatsoever on nutrition and basically gave me a permission slip to go home and eat whatever I wanted. Including drinking beer, which alcohol, you know, is a known cancer cause. I go home, I'm recovering from surgery, and I'm thinking about, you know, my life and my future. Like, how much time do I have? Am I going to, what's my story going to be, right? Am I going to be that young guy that died of cancer that everybody's like, oh, gosh, isn't that so sad? Chris Warwick, like, what a great guy. And, he, you know, died in his 20s of cancer. Like, is that my story? That's scary, man. Yeah. That's really scary. And I thought about the treatments and I thought, I thought about what they would do to my body. And that was really scary too. I knew they, I knew they were toxic. I knew they were poison. I knew it'd make my hair fall out. I'd be sick. I would lose weight. I was already really thin and they would make me weak. I knew there would be suffering and I was afraid of that. And, And I had a resistance to it. You know, I mean, I think every cancer patient, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do chemotherapy. But they're told, you know, this is a battle. This is a fight. We got to kill the cancer, right? You're a fighter now. You're a warrior. And when you use that kind of language, what you're doing is you're convincing a person that in order to fight, you know, if they accept the fact that they're a fighter and they're a warrior, they have to be strong. And they're also accepting the fact that they have to suffer, right? If it's a battle, you're going to have to suffer. Right. And the treatments will make you suffer. I, I knew nothing at this time, okay? Uh, 15 years of re- reflection and thought and, and, you know, talking to thousands of cancer patients have shaped my opinion <laughs> to a fine point. But at that time, I was just clueless, and I just had my instincts and my tu- intuition, and it was they were saying, no, like, don't, don't do it. It's not right for you. And again, this, this is not me saying no one should do treatment. 
It's just me saying, I it wasn't, it, I didn't feel like it was right for me. So I prayed about it. My wife and I prayed and I said, God, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me. A couple days later, I got a book that, that showed up at my doorstep that came to me. Uh, it was sent from a man in Alaska. I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. And I start reading this book, and, and the guy who wrote it had healed his own colon cancer with nutrition. There was some amazing information in the book. Some of it's, it was out, is outdated now. I don't really recommend the book. But, but it was a miracle for me at the time. It was exactly what I needed. How did this book come to you, Chris? Uh, the, guy, the guy who sent it to me knew my dad. He was a business acquaintance of my dad's. And, he, and my dad told him I'd been diagnosed with cancer, and he just sent me a book. Wow. Because, you know, knew, he knew about this book, this guy who had healed his own colon cancer. Sure. So it was, it was a huge wake-up moment for me because uh, this particular book, the guy, this guy made a case. He was diagnosed in the 70s. It's like 20, 30 years later, still alive. And he said he was basically made the case that the reason we're sick, the reason so many of us have cancer, heart disease, and diabetes, and all these problems, health problems, is because of our diet. They're all diet-driven diseases. They're not bad luck. And what we know now is that only about 5% of cancers are genetic. So up to 95% of cancers are caused by diet, lifestyle, and environment. Those factors, factors we can control for the most part with our choices every day. Stress is an underlying root cause, which I'll talk about. It's hard to measure scientifically, but Every cancer patient I've ever talked to had major chronic stress in their life. So what we know is we know what's causing cancer, but doctors aren't telling their patients what, what the causes and contributors to cancer are. They're just giving them treatments and sending them home to their life that was promoting cancer, right? They're not changing their life. And I realized the way I'm living is killing me, right? The way I'm living is killing me, which at first is kind of scary, and sounds like I'm trying to blame the, the patient, right? Like blaming the victim. But the truth is that's empowering because when you realize that, that what you're doing is contributing to your problem, that empowers you to change, right? You realize, wait a second, if this is my fault, if I have something to do with this, then what would happen if I stop doing these things that are hurting me? If you stub your, your toe on the end of a coffee table, right, it hurts. And you realize like, oh, I should be more careful when I walk around the coffee table. I immediately knew this was, this was an answer to prayer. The, the idea that was put forth to me, which I validated in, in many other books and sources at that time, was that I needed to stop eating all man-made food, processed food, junk food, meat, and dairy products. And I needed to go back to a diet that was based on the Garden of Eden, raw fruits and vegetables. So you you based your diet all the way back to the Garden of Eden with the idea that, hey, this is what God intended us to eat? That's correct. And this was the diet that this guy had used to heal his own colon cancer, along with drinking tons of carrot juice every day, like 64 ounces a day of carrot juice. Carrots are amazing. So I thought, this is insane, and I love it, though. I love the idea uh, of radically changing my diet, my lifestyle, and overdosing, what I call overdosing on nutrition and giving my body all of this wonderful stuff that it was not getting. Like I've, ne I've never eaten three meals in one day of only fruits and vegetables. I'd never done that. I'd never eaten three meals of raw fruits and vegetables mm. in one day either. And I thought, wow, 
And, and by the way, the raw food diet, which a lot of people have heard of it now, but back then, like it was so fringe and weird. I'd never heard of it. I, I have a very simple, uh, I guess, belief system. And that is, I believe that God created the earth for us and that everything we need comes from the earth. That Everything we need is here for us. And I believe that the Bible is full of wisdom and truth and we can look to it for answers. Like it's like the manual for how to live. And, you know, the answer to every problem is in there. I, I want to, I want to dive deeper into what your doctors had to say and their reaction to for all intents and purposes healing. But I want to, I want to explore a little bit, Chris, how important was your faith in this process? Oh, it was huge, man. It was huge, huge. I mean, I love the title of your show because I really was on the razor's edge of my faith. You know, I was on the edge of it, man, because I mean, A, I was desperately believing and trusting in God to deliver me. The other big verse that I found that was just huge to me at the time and I still love is in Psalm 34, 19, which says the righteous may suffer many afflictions but the Lord delivers him from them all, from them all. And I'm like, that's me, like all, right? All means cancer. And I'm gonna believe this is true. Like I'm gonna trust God to deliver me from this. And this is my banner verse, prayer. I mean, I was just going deep in the word, looking for inspiration and encouragement and and wisdom on how to proceed. And of course I was praying like crazy, like just giving my fear to God every day and trusting him to lead me and asking for signs and asking for help. So, you know, this book shows up, this information shows up, it just clicks with me right away. I'm like, this is it, this is an answer to prayer, I'm doing this. And so overnight I converted to a raw food diet, bought a juicer, bought tons of fruits and vegetables and started eating organic fruits and vegetables from the earth, right? I'm like, I'm going to stop poisoning and polluting my body with all this other man-made stuff. I'm going back to the earth. I'm going to try to get back in harmony with nature and see what happens. Now, my family, (laughs) for the most part, did not like this plan. And there was a ton of pressure from people who love me uh, to go the traditional route. And will you please go see what the doctor has to say? You know, alternative therapies don't work. I know somebody who tried that and they died. It had to be scary for them to, for that, for you to see, you know, you're sitting there eating carrot juice and bananas and the doctor's saying that you need, you need chemotherapy that had to be yeah. hard for them to handle. Yeah. Well, like, you know, broccoli's not going to cure your cancer. You know, you need to do chemo, right? These are the things people are saying to me. And I'm like, so I finally, I agreed to, to go see the oncologist just to appease the people around me. And it's crazy when, you know, if, when you pray and you get an answer to your prayer, you know it, like, you know, you have the answer and everyone around you tells you you're wrong and you don't, you know what that feels like? It's mm. awful, right? It's a terrible feeling because you're, you're all of a sudden you're alone. Everyone thinks you've lost your mind. You're a fool. You're stubborn. And then you're just like, it's you and me, Jesus. Nobody else believes me. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. Everyone thinks I'm wrong. You know, and then you're like, then you start to doubt, right? 
Like, did well? Maybe was this just a coincidence? Was this is this not what I should be doing? Right. Right. That's how that's how doubt creeps in and erodes your faith. It's usually the people around you. It's like you know Jesus told the parable about the seeds, you know, and the sower, and he's throwing the seeds onto different types of soil, and like the the weeds come up and choke out the faith, you know, choke out the truth before it can take root. And weeds are usually the people around you. Uh, other than other than diet, did you make any other lifestyle changes? Changed everything. Changed my whole life. I had to. You know, it wasn't just about the diet. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll get into that in a second, but I got to tell the story about going to the doctor. We go see the oncologist, and he told me if I didn't do chemotherapy, I was insane. He scared me into it. And I made an appointment to get a port put in uh, in a few weeks to start chemo. I went into the, to his clinic confident in what I was doing and feeling good. I'd been on a raw food diet for one week and he scared me so bad. And that's what they do. It's like a fear factory. They use fear to manipulate patients to take immediate action. And in most cases, uh, cancer patients are not in a life or death situation. Most cancer patients have plenty of time, right? But they treat them all as if it's an urgent life or death. We have to take do treatment tomorrow right, to save your life kind of a situation. And, but I was fortunate that I had time to go back and uh, that I had weeks of recovery still from surgery before they would start chemo. And during that time, man, I just pressed into God and I just fired up the juicer, man. I kept juicing, kept eating tons of fruits and vegetables and kept reading and researching and praying and, and trying to figure out like, wh what do I need to do to, to live and to survive? And I realized I need to change my whole life. So there's a lot of factors that contribute to cancer in our world. And they're, they're widely studied, but, uh, but not widely known. And uh, the diet is the big one. Okay? We know that around the world, when you look at the cultures with the lowest cancer rates, they eat predominantly a plant-based diet, mostly, mostly fruits and vegetables. Now, they're not all raw and they're not all vegan, but they eat mostly fruits and vegetables and very little animal food and almost no processed food, junk food, fast food, restaurant food. Then when you look at, remember earlier I said uh, the three main causes of cancer, up to 95% of cancers are caused by poor diet, which is what we're eating in America. Uh, lifestyle, which is we're sedentary. Sitting is the new smoking. I'm doing this interview standing mm. up at my stand-up desk. <laughs> mm. We are very sedentary. We've become fat and lazy. The, the number one cause of cancer is smoking, right? That's a lifestyle decision. Alcohol is a known cause of cancer. That's a lifestyle decision. It's not bad luck, right? It's your choices. Uh, the number two cause of cancer is obesity. Obesity. It's not, this is not Chris's, you know, harebrained theory. This is from the World Health Organization, from all of the, 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 the big governing bodies of cancer research, the National Institutes of Health, the National Cancer Institute, they all agree obesity is the number two cause of cancer and obesity is caused by our choices, right? We choose to, what we choose to eat and how often we choose to eat. We're, we live in a rich nation, food is everywhere. And many of us have gotten uh, fat because frankly, we, food is good and we like it. Right. Right. Like no blame or shame. Right. But the, the point is like we're surrounded by food. It's good. We like it. 
Some of us have slower metabolisms metabolisms than others, and some of us are using food as medication, right? And uh, to 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 medicate ourselves from dealing with problems in our life and dealing with unhappiness and things. So the end result is obesity is driving most cancers. Cigarettes and obesity, those are the two big drivers. Now, I didn't smoke, and I, I smoked as a teenager in college, but I wasn't smoking at, at the time I was diagnosed. Could have been a cause of my cancer, right? It could have gotten me early, it's possible, because smoking causes all kinds of cancers, not just lung cancer. But, um, and I wasn't obese, so that wasn't a factor for me either. But having said all that, we know those are the two biggest causes. So diet and lifestyle, right? Exercise is so powerful for health and disease prevention and healing. So I started exercising every day, 30 to 60 minutes a day, every single day. And any kind of exercise is good. Doesn't matter what kind. If it's if you're getting sweaty exercise, you're doing it right. Right? So it's this is very simple stuff. Six, 30 to 60 minutes a day, six days a week of sweaty exercise. Just pick something you like and do it. <laughs> Walking, running, jogging, karate, yoga, zumba jazzercise, like rock climbing, just do something, like move your body. And then the environmental piece, that's the third big contributor. Environment, we know we've got all these toxic chemicals in our environment. It's in our water, in the air, in the, in the artificial food we're eating, right? And, uh, you know, a lot of them are uh, off-gassing from products we use, and we're using all these toxic cleaning products and body care products, toothpaste, shampoo, deodorant, lotion, right, makeup. And we're just slathering all this crap, chemical crap on our bodies. And no, your deodorant didn't cause your cancer, but think about the synergistic toxicity of all of these chemicals circulating in your bloodstream from all these different sources, right? All of those little tiny chemicals that might be innocuous on their own, when they combine with others, they create synergistic toxicity, right? There's a multiple, there's like, it's like a multiplier. It's not three plus three, it's three times three. So I just turned my whole life upside down and I was determined to remove anything from my life that could be contributing to disease. And all those little changes I made added up. So sometimes little changes will produce a big result, but usually what happens is when you make a lot of little changes, right? That's where you get the big result. So I took massive action. That was sort of a theme of my life, massive action. So I didn't want to leave anything to chance. I wasn't looking for a quick quick fix, a magic bullet, a miracle cure. I was looking at the big picture, like holistically, and I wanted to heal my body. I wasn't trying to kill the cancer, poison the cancer, starve the cancer, trying to heal the cancer, heal my body. It boosts my immune system, detoxify my body, give my body all the nutrition it could use to repair, regenerate, deto detoxify. So you can kind of see where I'm going with this. Sure. It was, what, a, it was, it was what, a big picture approach. What specifically did you remove from your environment that would that you felt would be bad for your for your cancer? I go into so much detail in my book, Chris Beat Cancer, which I know you mentioned earlier about what I did. But basically, I, I replaced all my personal body care products with non-toxic organic brands. We cleaned out all of the cleaning products in our home, replaced them with biodegradable, clean, non-toxic brands. I got an air purifier for the house. 
we got a water purifier for our water. So I just systematically was like, mm. we're just trying to identify and eliminate any potential toxic stuff in my life. And I became very sensitive about, the, about where I was living, what I was exposed to, pollution, things like that, right? And avoiding uh, being around. Anytime I've smelled anything toxic, right? I'm like, I, I should go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be breathing this. I don't know what, what I'm breathing right now. I don't want it in my, in my bloodstream. So I became a little bit hyperly hypersensitive uh, to those to that. But again, you know, you're, I was in uh, self-preservation mode, right? I was trying to protect my body and heal it. I found a naturopathic doctor that I worked with. I found an integrative oncologist who supported me, and built slowly built a team of support, and had blood work done and CT scans done every six months for for uh, several years. Right, it was just keeping a very close eye on my body and my blood work and like, you know, to make sure I stayed well. What did your doctors have to say through this process, Chris? There had to reach a point where your doctor said, man, I don't know what you're doing or what's going on here, but keep doing it. Or Chris, yeah, you're, this may look like it's, it's working, but it's coming back eventually. What did your doctors have to say about all of this? Yeah, well, the original, to the, my surgeon and the original oncologist, <clears throat> I didn't go, I didn't see them anymore because they, they told me I was making a mistake. They didn't support me. But the, the naturopath and the integrative oncologist that I worked with, who's now deceased because he was in his 70s at that time, they were, they were cautious, right, but supportive. And they were both concerned. Like they both wanted me to get well. They didn't want me to die, but they were concerned right? That they knew how big of a threat it was. They knew how fragile uh, a physical state I was in. They both were just, just so pleased with every report that came back. You know, we just kind of went from one month to the next to the next. And then one day I realized it'd been almost five years, got another scan, no cancer. Around the six and a half year mark is when I decided to share my story publicly. And I started a blog called Chris Beat Cancer. I just started talking about what I did. I started writing articles and making videos about nutrition and fruits and vegetables and juicing and uh, what's causing cancer, like, you know, all, all the kind of stuff that I felt like was missing from the internet. Like, it just wasn't there in 2010. They're just, I mean, there were some alternative health sites and things, but they just, when I was sick, I didn't get any help from the internet. I went, just went from one book to the next to the next created a site to be what I wished had existed for me back in 2004. And since then, I've interviewed, I don't know, probably 70 plus people who've healed cancer without uh, either when conventional treatment failed or um, without conventional treatment at all, using this basically the same exact stuff that I did, right? Hardcore, radical diet and life change. And I have to mention the, other, the underlying cause of, of many diseases and cancers is stress. Stress is something that's a little hard to understand because, you know, we all know when we, when we feel stressed, but we don't understand what it's doing to our body. When you're under stress, you know, work stress, family stress, financial stress, or if you're harboring negative emotions and thoughts like envy and jealousy, bitterness and resentment, mm. right, guilt and shame, all negative thoughts produce negative emotions. And those negative emotions trigger your body to produce stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol, to, to produce more of them than, than it normally would. And when those hormones are elevated, what they do, and I talk about this in great detail in the book, but to simplify it, what they do is they suppress your immune function. 
And so if you go through life for, for months or even you know, years in this state of chronic stress and chronic immunosuppression, your body becomes a place where cancer can thrive. The only difference between a person with tumors and a person with no tumors, by and large, is their immune system. So again, cancer, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a, a long period of time to develop. But usually, I've talked to so many cancer patients, they all say the same thing. They all had lots of stress in their life, lots of problems that they had not dealt with. And they were usually self-medicating. And stress leads us to self-medication with overeating, with drug abuse, with being a workaholic, with being obsessed with entertainment or sex or whatever. And those are all destructive habits, right? But you can trace them back to stress. And so the big one, I think for your audience, for everyone, but especially for your audience, the biggest lever in removing stress from your life, like the biggest bang for your buck <laughs> is forgiveness. Amen. Forgiveness. And, and making a decision to forgive every person who has ever hurt you in life. And that means you have to sit down, like, you know, close your eyes and think back through your life, like all the way back and dig out the, the painful memories of people who've hurt you in, in whatever way they have hurt you. Dig out those memories and bring them to the front of your mind. And one by one, you forgive that person by name. And the way, the way to do it is so easy. You just say, God, you know what they did. You know how I feel about it. I'm still mad. I'm still upset. It still hurts, right? But I'm choosing to forgive them. And I'm letting it go, and I'm giving it to you. They're all yours, right? They're all yours. I'm not going to carry the bitterness, the resentment, the anger. I'm not going to carry it anymore. I'm just going to lay it at your feet, right? Just lay it at the feet of Jesus, right? Just lay it down. and then. You really want to seal the deal. <laughs> you say, God, even though I would rather you strike them with lightning, I'm asking you to bless them. I'm asking you to bless their, their family, their business, you know, their children. I'm asking you to have mercy on them and bless them. You alluded to the Garden of Eden, Chris, in, in the sense of how you ate. But if you think about the Garden of Eden and how we were intended to live in these bodies, uh, that God that God gave us the foods in the Garden of Eden, fresh fruits and vegetables, the exercise required to work the garden and to and, and to and to be in the garden. I think God intended us to move and to work and to sweat. Of of course, the environment there were there were no toxic chemicals in the Garden of Eden. Right. The, they, there were yeah. they, Those just didn't exist, and the stress free. Uh, environment of the Garden of Eden, yeah. uh, you know, you God, God was there. He, you, Adam and Eve, up to a point, of course, we know the story, but up to that, up to that point, they they gave their cares to God. They depended on God to to take care of them, and they just lived in the environment that God blessed them with, and so it was stress free. Yeah. So that right. that Garden of Eden example is a, is a thread throughout this entire, your entire story. Uh, just yeah. amazing, just amazing how truly biblically based, uh, from the beginning of the Bible, your, your healing was. So right now you're completely cancer free. Yes. Yes. Cancer free. I'm the healthiest and strongest I've ever been in my life. And I love the way you connected all those dots. I mean, it's, it's absolutely right. Fresh air, sunshine, 
living in a stress, low stress, worry-free life, like trusting God with your life and your health and your future. Those are all things I had to learn how to do. Right. And I still, it's still, it's a daily practice. When problems come my way, I have to catch myself and say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about this, God. I'm giving it to you. I'm going to trust you. I'll do what I can. Right. And I'm trust you. I'm going to trust you with the rest. It says in James that faith without works is dead. And works is a weird word, but works, what works mean is, means is action. Faith without action is dead. It's not, it's not faith. Having faith in something means taking action. And for me, like I took massive action to rebuild my temple, to honor God with my body, right? To stop doing the things that were promoting disease. And I put my faith in him to lead me, you know, and to heal me along the way. And some people get healed miraculously. And I love that. That's the best thing ever. But for me, miraculous healing was not the best thing for me, right? Because it wouldn't have taught me anything. I wouldn't have changed my life and I needed to change my life. How far into the process were you when you realized or your doctors realized that the cancer was gone? It was a little different for me because they knew I had cancer in my body, but it, it wasn't big enough yet, right? To detect on a scan, right? They took out this tumor, they took out the lymph nodes and they knew, okay, this guy's got cancer. Like surgery doesn't cure stage three cancer. From their perspective, it was just a waiting game to see where it would, where the next tumor would form. My entire uh, intention was to empower my body to eliminate the cancer cells that were still in my body that were looking to take root, right? To create an environment where they couldn't thrive, which they, they call an inhospitable. Mm. It's a medical term, right? An inhospitable, an inhospitable environment to cancer. So it was a waiting game, right? It was like blood work, monthly watching my tumor markers scans looking for a new tumor right that's what they were doing based on your experience and i guess it's disclaimer time you're not a doctor i'm not a doctor always consult your doctor and seek medical advice we get that what advice would you give to somebody that has just received a cancer diagnosis and is facing what you faced 15 years ago right i'm not a doctor i don't treat patients i don't give medical advice i'm a patient advocate right? I'm a survivor. And what my, I see my, my life's work, my goal, my mission is to empower patients to do everything they can do, right? To give them the information, resources, inspiration, encouragement, to do everything they can do to help themselves heal, to prevent cancer or prevent a recurrence of cancer or to heal existing cancer. And that can be along with your doctor and along with conventional treatment, or it can be without conventional treatment. That's everyone's individual choice. But I get excited when I see stories of people who've healed without conventional treatment because it's proof that the body can heal. Proof that um, there's there are things that are being ignored. The capability of the body to heal is being ignored. The medical industry has this sort of assumption that, well, if it's not healing it now, right, then it never will heal it. And instead of looking at the reasons, well, wait a minute, why why do you have cancer? What are the contributing factors? What can we remove? What do we need to address? What are the root causes of this? You know, we live in a cause and effect world. Like everything has a cause. And cancer is not a runaway train in which you have to blow up the tracks. That's a linear view. Having said all that, the, the thing that patients need to know, first of all, is that you have options. 
you have more options than you realize. And you need to step back, take a step back and read and research and uh, look at your life and ask yourself, is the way I'm living killing me? What do I need to change in my life? My answer is everything, which I talk about in detail, like step by step, how to do this in my book. Taking that position of, okay, I have a part to play in this. The, one of the big problems with the cancer industry, and there are many, and I, I address many of the problems uh, of the industry in my book. One of them is that patients, almost all patients, ask their doctor, like, why, why do you think I got cancer? And invariably, the doctors will say something like, well, you have family history. And if they say yes, then they'll say, oh, well, you know, it's just hereditary. Uh, or if they say, no, I don't have any family history, they'll say, well, it still could be hereditary or, you know, it, it may just be uh, bad luck. Mm. And what they're doing, what they maybe don't realize they're doing is when they tell patients those things, they are turning them into a powerless victim of disease. Nothing you did contributed to your disease in any way. Nothing in your, there's nothing in your life that contributed to this disease. Therefore, there's nothing you can do to help yourself aside from show up for treatment. We have the best available treatments. We will take care of you. You just make sure you show up for your next appointment and we'll do our best and we'll hope for the best. And but we cannot make you any promises or guarantees. And so that disempowers a person and they basically tell them to go home and back to their life that was contributing to cancer and go home and eat whatever you want. In fact, they don't just say eat whatever you want. They say you should eat. Here's a, here's a helpful guide of foods you should eat while you're doing chemo, which includes ice cream, milkshakes, you know, burgers and pizza, yogurt, like, you know, all these high calorie, high fat foods borderline just malpractice, right? I mean, because we, we have this huge list of evidence, huge mounds of evidence uh, on the causes of cancer. But I don't blame the doctors because the doctors are trapped in a system that pays them really well. And they only get like 15 minutes with the patient. Mm -hmm. Not enough time to do anything, right? Uh, it's barely enough time to tell them what, what kind of cancer they have and what the next appointment's gonna look like. It takes a lot more time to, to help someone understand what they're doing and how they might be contributing to their disease and what they can do to help themselves heal. I mean, you know, a lot of doctors, they don't even tell a cancer patient to quit smoking if they smoke. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable, man. It, it is unbelievable, and it is the truth. They don't tell obese cancer patients that they need to lose weight. And why not? Because it's an uncomfortable conversation. They don't want to hurt their feelings. You provide some great resources at uh, crispbeatcancer.com. Give us a, just a really brief overview of what 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 we can find at crispbeatcancer.com. There's a lot of a lot of articles and videos, uh, and but they're all they're all oriented toward one thing: is giving you information, inspiration, encouragement, and resources that you can use to change your life and help your body heal. And like I said, I've interviewed tons and tons of people who've healed cancer with nutrition and natural non-toxic therapies. I've interviewed a lot of doctors and experts on holistic health and nutrition. It's just, the, the site has just become this, something I'm so proud of. It's just become this sort of wellspring of life and health and a hope 
You know, hope is it's kind of become a dirty word because everyone tried to tries to use it to to uh, manipulate cancer patients, right? But um, I think the most powerful hope of all in this scenario is that, that your body can heal. You know that you're not a powerless victim, right? You have to take responsibility for your health and your situation. You have to take massive action if you want to help yourself. But this is good. Like this means that you have power to affect your future with the decisions you make every day. To me, that's exciting. Like that excited me and I've just, you know, millions of people hit my website every year and I've have more messages than I can, than I can ever respond to, but uh, so much love and support and praise and encouragement from the people that I serve uh, because of the encouragement and hope that I'm giving them. Some of your audience are cancer patients and so it's great for them. And some of your audience are people who probably don't want to get cancer, <laughs> right? And current uh, estimates, one out of every two men is going to get a cancer diagnosis, and almost one out of every two women are going to get a cancer diagnosis in their life. That's so. And by the way, yeah, it's sobering. It's serious. Like, it's coming. Like, the, you're on track to get cancer if you're not taking steps now to reduce your risk. And the, the, the steps to reduce risk are easy. Eating tons of 10 servings of fruits and vegetables per day. Like that's a minimum. Basically eating a plant-based diet. It doesn't have to be all raw or anything like that. You don't have to get a juicer, right? But you need to focus your diet on whole fruits and vegetables and very little animal food, fast food, and junk food. Very little, little, very, very little. A few times a month as a treat, you know, you need to exercise every single day. Like this is you loving yourself, taking care of yourself. You need to forgive and give your worries and fears to God, right? And catch yourself in the middle of negativity and negative thinking and negative emotions, right? Like you got to get a whole, take every thought captive, as the Bible says. So these are, again, they're not complicated things. You don't have to spend a million dollars on supplements or, you know, whatever, uh, or get gizmos or gadgets, lotions and potions. But Aligning yourself with nature, living in harmony with nature is really, I, I guess, the overarching uh, theme of what I did and what we need to do as a culture to, to reduce the just runaway train of cancer diagnosis that's happening right now. So like, yeah, for anybody serious about prevention, my site's awesome for that. It'll equip you with so much good stuff. And really, you know, the book, same intention there. It's just taking everything I've learned and condensing it down into very straightforward action plan. My tells my story, talks about the problems with the cancer industry, medical industry, and what's missing, and then what you can do to help yourself. So that's it's kind of all in there. And again, not against doctors, not against conventional treatments and things like that. Yes, I said no to chemotherapy because that's, you know, for me, it wasn't the best choice, but you can still do those treatments, but there's a gap right? And I'm trying to bridge this gap between conventional medicine and holistic health. And you, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can incorporate a holistic approach to health and healing along with conventional medicine. Your faith, Chris, was obviously very important to you in this process. You can see the, 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 the string of your faith through, through your healing. How did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? I came to know Jesus at a very young age um, and to believe in him, you know, when I was six or seven years old. In high school, I rebelled 
you know, junior high, high school, I kind of rebelled against that and saw a lot of things in the church. I went to a Christian school. So I mean, you know, just saw a lot of hypocrisy and stuff like that and used that as an excuse, you know, to rebel. Humans are not perfect. They make mistakes. And, and, you know, unfortunately it, 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 we have given Christianity a bad name through a lot of dumb mistakes we've made as humans. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I saw some of those things and I thought, if this is what it's about, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested. But as I became a young adult in college, I, and was out on my own in the world, I realized like, you know, after pursuing like what the world had to offer, I just realized it was empty. It was just empty and it wasn't giving me peace or joy or fulfillment or contentment. I realized that what was missing was a relationship. It wasn't a religion. It was a relationship with Jesus, the man, the person, right? who is alive, uh, as I dipped my toe back in the water, so to speak, and started going back to church, I, I found a, a community, a non-denominational church that my girlfriend dragged me to, girlfriend who became my wife. And it was, it was, it was so different. You know, I grew up like at a mega church or whatever. And this small community church, charismatic community church was just such a breath of fresh air to me. And it, and I, I just saw people who loved Jesus in a way that I'd never seen before. And it was like so contagious to me and so attractive. And I was like, wow, this is what it's about. Okay. I like, I see, I understand now. And I wanted it. So I just, you know, surrendered. I was like, God, I, I surrender. Like you are, you are Lord. I, I am willing to believe that you are, that Jesus, that you are everything you claim to be. And that's really the crux of faith, isn't it? It's like, who do you believe that Jesus is? Because he said he was God in the flesh. He said he was the son of God. You know, you don't make those kind of claims unless you're insane, right? Yep. Or you are, in fact, God. Here's the thing. If you just open a Bible and read the book of John, just re if you're not a believer, if you're not sure what you think about God or Jesus or anything, if you just read the book of John, just read Jesus's words, read about his life, look at how he lived his life, look at how he loved people and served people and what he spent his time on earth doing. You just realize like this is the greatest example of love and service of any person who's ever lived on earth. I mean, you can't help but not fall in love with him as a person, right? Just as an like an example to all humanity of how to live and how to love your neighbor and how to care for the poor. That's all he spent his time doing was, was with the poor, the outcast, the needy, the sick. So like when you just see that, it's, you just realize like, oh, this is what Christianity is. It's about trying to be like Jesus, which is impossible, but trying, to, but, you know, following him, trying to be like him, trying to love others the way he loved, trying to serve the way he served. That's it. Like, that's the core of Christianity. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's gotten blown out into, you know, all kinds of things that Jesus never said anything about or had anything to do with. And has nothing to do with, has nothing to do with him. <laughs> right. And have nothing Amen. to do with him. Yeah. It's, it's true. And, and, you know, there's a lot of well-intentioned, well-meaning people that, you know, whatever, I don't, I'm not trying to bash churches and stuff, but just at the absolute core is like, just go find out who Jesus is for yourself. Go figure out who he is. And once you see who he is and what he said, he, what he claimed to be, right, which is the son of God, the savior of the world, then decide if you believe it.
And for me, it was just so easy to believe. Like once I got to know him a little bit, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to believe this. This is like so much better than anything else, you know, the world has to offer me. Any other belief systems, any other religious ideas. And so that's, you know, that that was where my faith really came alive in my early 20s. And then, you know, then it was challenged in a big way about five years later with the cancer diagnosis. But it really forced me to to go even deeper in my faith and just say, okay, God, like, I'm going to believe you're going to work this for my good. And he has. (laughs) I could say today now that he worked it for my good. My life is so much better than I ever could have imagined because uh, that because he he carried me through cancer, right? Cancer wasn't good, wasn't a blessing, right? I mean, I could say in some ways maybe it's you know make the case it was a blessing in disguise, but really it, I don't feel like it was a blessing. I feel I believe that God worked it for my good, right? He took the bad thing and worked it into something that blessed me and has blessed many other people, uh, and it's just a privilege and a joy and an honor just to be able to do what I do, to be able to encourage people and love on them and give them hope and, and information resources that they can use to heal themselves. The book is Chris beat cancer and uh, it's available at, uh, on amazon.com uh, atop the, atop the Amazon list. Chris, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us today. Oh, Joe, man, this is so much fun. Thank you for having me. I just appreciate so much being able to share my story with your audience. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Chris Beat Cancer is available on Amazon.com. And Chris's website is ChrisBeatCancer.com. He can also be found on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. These links, as well as all the other links, can be found in today's show notes at OnFaithsEdge.com slash 125. That's OnFaithsEdge.com slash 125. I love bringing you engaging conversations about faith. If this show entertained you, if it encouraged you, and if it informed you, if it brought value to you in any way whatsoever, will you consider using any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com? We'll get a modest commission from the purchase, but it doesn't cost you a penny more. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Chris Walk for being with us, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. 